This is Table Talk 19.96875 from the losers at Late Afternoon Gaming. That's right, it's another week of us not actually playing Curse of Strahd. Get over it. Tonight, we're talking about a bunch of largely unrelated stuff. It's a great time. Enjoy. Alright, well, uh, welcome back to another Table Talk, uh, which precedes another Not Session 20, so this one will be like... 19.97 something, I don't know. Um, We're going to be pushing the limits of, of rational numbers less than 20. <laughs> um, yeah, and we will hit the end of it, I'm pretty sure, because uh, it never stop, or it does stop at some point. Uh, I have just a couple notes from the table talk we did last time. So, uh, I had talked like two-thirds of the way through, we were talking about um, you know, what what should people have to roleplay? What can they rely on stats? Whatever. I talked about a video, um, and I said it was Matt Colville or someone. Uh, so it's not Matt Colville, uh, but it's a channel called Taking 20. Um, the video is very good, and I don't know if any of you guys watched it. Sure didn't. I, I'll phrase that as a question. Did you guys watch that video? <laughs> no. Okay. That's uh, a negative. It is a, it's a good video. I do recommend watching it. Uh, I haven't seen anything else on this guy's channel. Uh, but he does talk about that video itself has a lot of really interesting stuff in it about, Hey, how should you balance those things? Because, you know, the, the downside of what I was saying last time is, you know, using that logic, you shouldn't role play anything and you should just do stats. And that's really not very fun or that has the potential to not be a ton of fun. Um, so, you know, how do you balance that? Should we change the way we do charisma checks, that kind of stuff? Um, and it does have a lot of good stuff. I think the name of the channel is interesting. Are you guys familiar with the concept of taking 20? No. So it's a, an older, I, I think, you know, like uh, AD&D, or I don't, it might have been after that. But in older versions of D&D, it was actually part of the rule set where if you're doing something that's like a skill check, uh, but you're in a situation where you can basically try it over and over um, without, you know, any real consequence if you fail... You can just say, hey, can I just take 20 on this? Where instead of rolling over and over until I get a sufficient number, you know, it's going to happen eventually. So can we just say I'm going to take a 20 on this skill check, you know, and then you just tell me, oh, okay, well, it'll take you an hour to do it. But yeah, you eventually get it right. So let's say you're picking a lock, uh, like a non-magical lock that's pretty complicated, but it's in your own home uh, for a chest that you found, you know, in the attic or something. You know, you're going to get it eventually, even if you're terrible at lockpicking. So just take 20 instead of, you know, rolling it out. Kind of an interesting mechanism. Yeah. Hmm. We, uh, before that, we were talking about, uh, Duncan had said, hey, what should our merchandising opportunity, or merchandising, uh, like things be? What should we merchandise for late afternoon gaming? We never actually got there because we just got in an argument over whether, uh, you know, how much input I had gotten from the rest of the crew for the, uh, for the image that we did. So, Duncan, did you actually have any ideas about merchandising uh, ideas, or uh, or was that destined to fail because we didn't actually have anything to say? Uh, well, I had thought about developing a like a car that we could sell. A car? Okay. Right. Yeah, I thought like maybe if we revolutionized a really important industry that would draw attention to the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I was you um, know, so like maybe a car that's shaped like a D twenty or a late afternoon. <laughs> sure. Okay. Nerf. I, I was thinking. Um, it looks like you know Twitter is available again. If we wanted to start our own social media service. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and for the low, low price of probably 
44 billion or so yeah, I mean, you know now that we don't have to bid against elon musk we might actually be able to get that down to 40 well, well i, I think, was actually I think interested. the price is going to drop because of all the you know all the bots what about the uh the twitter spinoff thing that donald trump was aligned with and maybe isn't anymore oh truth yeah yeah uh, you know duncan you should amend that statement because it sounds like you're saying that trump is not aligned with the truth anymore i would never suggest that um, actually, so here's a good one that I, I kind of stumbled into. I was at Costco the other day, and uh, I saw a two-pack of, like, these enormous, big gulp-sized insulated mugs. It's pronounced Tupac. A Tupac of uh, these large insulated uh, mugs. And, I, I mean, it looks like a travel mug, but it's, like, way, way bigger than you would expect. And they're particularly silly looking because the bottoms are sized so that you can put them in a cup holder. Um, and so it, you know, it looks like an upside down layer cake with a handle and, uh, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> what really got me was the package said the world's first handled mug. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought you that's you a, kind of a little piece of history now. That's, well, that's pretty cool. It's a really good idea. Um, because you can, I am it's a mug. Nobody you, thought of it before. <laughs> it's a mug that you can like pick up with with your hand. So, um, anyway, happy to be in on the ground floor. Um, but it made me think maybe the podcast should contact this company and say, "Hey, I think this has like real potential." Right. This this thing. This is an idea that can get some wings. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's funny you say that because I had mentioned before a long time ago that I wanted to put an ad on Reddit, but because of where I live, I can't. Um, I, my ad was going to say something like, you know, late afternoon gaming, the only or like the only Dungeons and Dragons podcast or something like that. Uh, like make some claim that's obviously not true, much like what they said. Sure. It's like the, the craft.com, um, you know, whatever it says at the top, like the America's only humor website or something. Right. Um, yeah, something. Uh, where it's like a, <laughs> like, obviously false claim. Right. Uh, that's what I was going to put. And then, you know, it would be easy. And I don't know if anybody would actually click on it, but because I never got to run it. But yeah, I was thinking of doing something similar with our ad when I wanted to do that. So why don't okay. you tell us about your shocking new appearance? Well, mm. before I get to that, I was just checking our uh, Simplecast page for our download results. Um, so we're at 810 downloads. But. Uh, exciting. We've got new countries on the list. Oh, good. Um, so those countries are, um, because the ones that we had already had were United States, uh, Republic of Korea, Republic of Ecuador, uh, Republic of South Africa, I'm sorry, South Africa, Republic, Federal Republic of Germany. We're very popular in republics of all shapes and sizes. Romania and Canada. Those we already had. Joining us sometime recently are... The Kingdom of the Netherlands and the Commonwealth of Australia. Oh. Huh. Um, so, one second. I gotta look up how to say hello in, in Dutch. In, Aust- in Australian? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's kind of boring. Um, so, to our uh, Dutch listeners, I say hello. And to our Australian Listeners, I say, G'day, cunts. Um, oh, good. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please tell all your friends. Um, yeah, if you can take some time away from fucking kangaroos and talk to your buddies about late afternoon gaming. 
Well, hey, they're endangered, so they that's a yeah. that's a service if they're doing that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, if they lost to the emus, then I don't know if they can do a whole <laughs> lot worse to the kangaroos. Listen, I'm not trying to get fewer Australian listeners. I'm trying to get more. I'd rather so. have none. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, we but can do I had better. mentioned then Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm. Agree to disagree, but. Before uh, Duncan joined the podcast, I uh, shared my, or I, I showed the other two members of this podcast uh, my new haircut, which I just, I completely shaved my head, um, which, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. But here's the story behind it. So I was out of town for a work event earlier this week, and I got a haircut while I was there. So at the end of my haircut, the lady who was cutting my hair held up a mirror so I could see, like, the back of my head. Um, like, just so I could see what was going on back there or what she had done or whatever. And when I looked in the mirror, I saw, like, I was like, ooh, I can see a bit more scalp than I'm used to. What's going on here? Um, now, on the crown of my head, I have, like, a ton of cowlicks. So um, I didn't see, like, a huge bald spot. I just saw scalp. And I was like, hang on, do I have, like, is my hair going back there? Or is it just my cowlick and... Just my hair is all moving away from that point. But what's going on? Um, so I I was trying to like take pictures of the top of my head and just figure out like, hey, am I losing my hair? Am I going bald? What's going on? Because um, it's not like the end of the world or anything, but I want to know. I don't I don't want to like be unaware of that fact. But while I was there for this work function, I like I didn't have time to you know really do anything to investigate. So when I got back home. Uh, I got another haircut and got it cut like really, really short so that I could see, you know, more clearly what was going on. My conclusion is that I am not going bald and that I'm fine. So um, you decided to go, go bald anyway. Right. But you're not going bald. I you decided... can just see your scalp through your hair. <laughs> um, so what I decided to do though was because I had cut my hair so short, I was like, you know, but what I've never done is like completely shave my head. Um, like, just completely get rid of all my hair. Uh, and so I thought it'd be funny. Also, it's incredibly hot and humid where I'm at right now. <laughs> so Now, when we talk, uh, when you say shave, do you mean you buzzed it really short or you bicked it? I did both. Uh, first, oh. I, first I buzzed it, then I bicked it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's one, it's really funny, uh, like the way it feels and the way it looks. But two, I'm already sweating less. So it's not going to stick around for a long time, but it was just... I thought it would be funny, and I was right. So you just look like a uh, cancer patient now. I, I was about to say that I thought you just identified as a cancer patient. No, that would be insensitive, and I'm not like that. Oh, no, I see. you know what you need to do, though? Um, like, my dad sends me, uh, like, weird photos to get a, I guess, to, like, prompt some kind of reaction. And recently yeah, he sent me one. Cold baiting. Yeah. <laughs> Where he was just laying in a hospital bed. No explanation. Um, and I think you should do that to a family member. It's just, um, you know, send them a picture of you totally bald. Try, like, don't drink water for a couple of days. Just look like a, maybe a little gaunt. And then just send a picture that yeah. said, you know, just been thinking about you recently. No, you know? just <laughs> send, a, send like a, a Venmo link. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced that most people in my family would really care. They go, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. Well, you you know, the family you choose, late afternoon gaming, would also not support you, but it would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> listeners, if you feel like we're the closest thing you have to a family, let us know at lateafternoongaming at gmail.com. And seek professional <laughs> help as well. Yeah. You're fine um, and you don't need to change. Speaking of uh, <laughs> our community outreach, Duncan, you had said last time that you would put a picture of the dice that you had bought for Nerf on the subreddit. Just check the subreddit. Don't see any pictures. Well, you know who's really better equipped to do that? <laughs> What's a subreddit? <laughs> uh, the person who's best equipped to do it is the person who said they would do it. it, it that's actually not true, and and I, you know, it, it's actually rarely true. Yeah, refuted. Actually, you're yeah. wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No further uh, questions, honesty Your Honor. and integrity—they don't matter anymore. They, I mean, it's a, it's a thing of the past. Well, if you recall, at the beginning of this podcast, we said that the way that we were going to differentiate ourselves from the flood of D and D podcasts was going to be our integrity, and I think we stood by that. I thought we well, said clearly our lack we have integrity. No, we said that uh, was. Uh, I did a lot of driving last weekend, and I was just mm. listening to the podcast to pass the uh, pass the time. Yeah. I'm glad that you have to like make excuses for listening to our podcast. Oh, well, like, I mean, I, I literally had nothing else to do, and I didn't have a, a ready method of suicide nearby, so I decided to turn on the podcast. It was actually a hard decision. It's like, do I want to just drive in silence for six hours, or do I listen to the podcast? And I had to really think about it. But the real question is, took two hours thinking, and then yeah. Mm-hmm. It, would you be embarrassed to die in a car crash and when the first responders get there, they know that they can tell that you were listening to a podcast of yourself talking? That'd be pretty <laughs> bad, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't find that embarrassing at all. It's kind of the, it's the audio version of like jacking off looking into the mirror. <laughs> what? How do you jerk off? Well, actually, speaking of how I jerk off, um, I'm I, glad you have a segue on that one. Yeah, you know, I, I just moved into a new apartment and... I, well, I spent a fair portion of last weekend building Ikea furniture, but something I didn't have was a desk lamp. And so yesterday I went to Target and I thought, you know, I don't want to get just an ordinary desk lamp. You know, I want something really different. And so I got one of those salt lamps because the box said that, uh, well, I looked at Are you kidding? Well, I, I looked on, I, I saw it and I thought, I think that, I think Joe Rogan has one of these on his like recording, his podcast table. For those who don't know what that is, like me, what is that? It's, uh, it's, so, it's a giant piece of salt with a light bulb inside of it. Um, but so I looked it up cause I, I've seen these before. Um, and you can Jack, link this, please. Yeah, Google Himalayan salt lamp. And so oh I no, look, I'm already on it. I've seen these before. I, I don't like them. So it's, you know, it looks like a, looks like a grapefruit sized piece of salt um, with a light bulb inside of it. It's kind of pinkish. And that's um, good. That's, that's really going to help you center your chi. Well, know? that's the thing is I looked it up and it, it's not just a lamp. It can, it can like cure COVID. I think they cure wow. some types of cancer. They purify the air um, and they give off like, you know, not very much light. Um, so wow. I thought, <laughs> bingo, I uh, got one of those. Uh, but the other thing that was sitting right next to it in the store was um, this like $17 uh, star projector. So, oh, so you can like project constellations on your ceiling or whatever? Yeah, so I definitely put that in my bedroom. Um, and uh, that was a great decision. Okay, so in so I in can, looking what up I'm the saying is I can, lamp, I, I made a I discovery. Can, 
Well, hold on. We need to circle okay. back to something. I can now masturbate zooming through space. You That's know? awesome. I can I can lay in. I don't just lay in my bed and listen to Pink Floyd albums while I watch the you know these stars move around. I can I can basically space masturbate now. Okay, here's my amazing discovery. Uh, I don't know why this was so like high up in the salt lamp Google search results, but there is a company. Looks like a Japanese company that makes uh, bread lamps. Handcrafted <laughs> in Japan, Pam Shade lamps are made from real bread and create a soft, warm glow. This is uh, they, they make like kind of, kind of a baguette shape as well. Mm. Oh, I like this. They also have a product that's just called Spoon Corn Flakes Spoon. Well, Jack, don't forget to put these in the link down. Oh, they're in there. I'm really confused by like most of these products. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah, I, mm. <laughs> but for only fifteen dollars, I don't know what this spoon is, but it might be worth it. Yeah, so I uh, I just posted a picture of Joe Rogan talking to Elon Musk on the podcast. Oh, gee, that's um, a big lamp. <laughs> yeah, that's bigger you see than that the ones big I've old seen. Salt lamp in the back. That's probably yeah, but you know at, he got COVID, but he got over it pretty quick, and that's probably why. It's probably look at that. Why. Look at that monkey lamp. The, I the want monkey that. lamp is something. Uh, well, he it's is very a, impressed by chimps. It's like a, a monkey standing with both arms outstretched, holding uh, what appears to be the the bulb of the lamp in either hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also appears the monkey has a little top hat on. Have you ever seen a shade this is lamp? an extremely busy set? I've never watched Joe Rogan, but I didn't realize how much how much shit is on the table when they do these. It's like yeah, I was going to say it's a bit cluttered. <laughs> yeah, he's got a French press and. A bucket of presumably full of ice. <laughs> There's like a lot going on here. Right, looks and like they have some expensive old can or something. Peach, peach pecan, easy drinking whiskey. That sounds really good. That uh, yeah, <laughs> I might have to go find some of this. Yeah, I mean, just given not just what's on the table, but who's sitting at it. There's a lot going on in this picture. So I, I want to circle back to this rock lamp. I've seen your setup, Duncan, and it was it was very clean, and I feel like. A big ol' Himalayan salt lamp thing doesn't really <laughs> mesh with it at all. What drove so, you there? It's, uh, first of all, it's a very clean piece of salt. I see. Um, and second, you know, it remains, well, still looks about the same as when you left. Um, but now, sitting on the desk is a piece of salt. It's lit up right now. Um, you can tell because I'm not, uh, coughing or clearing my throat because the air <laughs> is really pure. I see. Um, but the real kicker is the, is the star lamp. Yeah, the next time I visit, I'm excited to see the star lamp. I got to see I got to see the status of Duncan's apartment prior to lighting, but post uh, IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was very much a if you want to do things that involve light, you do them during the daytime kind of situation. <laughs> uh, it checks out. Yeah. So what's what's your review of IKEA furniture? I think I had mentioned off the podcast, but I've I've never bought anything from IKEA. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll just describe what I did. Like a lot of times when people talk about IKEA, they talk about what goes on in the store. I couldn't tell you anything about that because I've never been to one. I um, I drive a small car and I wanted a desk. Um, a big desk, and I knew I even flat-packed, I wasn't going to be able to fit it in my car. So I just ordered it and had them bring it up to my apartment. Um, I thought the selection was pretty good. Uh, I was able to find uh, a desk and a bookshelf that suited my needs. Like, there was a lot of variety, and so I just got a measuring tape out and 
you know, measured the dimensions of my apartment and kind of went from there. It took me, uh, like everything that they sell, I think is set up so that you don't need to use many tools to make it, or in some cases they even include small tools. So I think in general you need like a hammer and a Phillips head screwdriver and, and that's it. You don't need a drill or, or anything. So I'm happy with the furniture, but it's clearly not something that I can rely on in a move because it is, um, or part of it is particle board. So it's like the most, it's the nicest looking stuff I've ever seen that, you know, I, I, I think will only survive maybe one move. If that makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm really happy with the furniture, and it didn't cost much, and it didn't cost much to deliver. But it's, you know, not something I'm going to be passing on to my kids or anything. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, Fair. I, I was I, able I to... Usually, I either buy stuff at Target, or I buy it at Ashley Furniture. Yeah. So, like, I think Ikea sounds like it probably fits somewhere between the two. I was able to furnish my small apartment... Um, and have it delivered for six hundred forty dollars. Yeah, that's not bad. I typically get my stuff off Wayfair because I'm always I'm still kind of gunning <laughs> for a kid, you know. Yeah, that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> well, I mean, once everyone figured out what they were doing, they had to stop. So, you know, that's what I read on Reddit anyway. Yeah, I'm not not entirely clear on how that one started. But. So the the <laughs> what I understand was there was a rumor that they were using like their online website to uh, like traffic kids because they had like certain items that were just like way too expensive. I'm just going to make some stuff up. But let's say it was like, a you know, a bedside table that looks like anything you could get at Target or whatever for like eight thousand dollars. Again, I'm making up like a random example, but something like that where people were the rumor was that obviously no one would ever buy that. Um but it was like, that was like, you know, if, if you're in the know, you know that, oh, those really expensive ones, that's me ordering a kid. Um, and then they'll, you know, ship a kid to me somehow or whatever. It's like the absolute dumbest idea ever. Um, like, because my, my argument was if they were actually trafficking people, they wouldn't make it like possible for just some random idiot to accidentally order a kid. Um, well, and, and $8,000 is way too much for a kid anyway. You can get them much cheaper. <laughs> well, I wonder, That's though, true. maybe they just have a really, really smooth customer service line where you call and you're like, hey, I ordered a $20,000 cabinet and it had, like, a seven-year-old boy in it. And they go, oh, I am so sorry, sir. Like, <laughs> that almost never happens. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they have it figured out. I'm not sure. I, I, I was trying to look for a link to put in the link up, and I just searched Wayfair Children. And... Um, one of the things that comes up is uh, a, a link to Wayfair.com that is just filled in automatically for child trafficking, and it says "Shop Wayfair for the best child trafficking." <laughs> <laughs> so I think Google kind of boned them on that. Stupid. Like, I there were people in my workplace who were like trying to convince me that it was real, and I don't think they were fucking with me. I think they like thought it was real. I. I I don't know. But what else is new? What have you guys been up to? All right, well, I'll go. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, so last year, I think it was last year, um, my, uh, that's actually a pretty good picture. Thank you. 
Uh, uh, Duncan just posted a picture of his salt lamp lighting up a pile of dice uh, on his desk, and it's actually... Like, the composition of this photo is actually really nice. I, I think you might say it's an absolute mood. Uh, yeah. Hey, I, I would Duncan, not say can, that. You, can you post that picture to the subreddit? Uh, yeah, I definitely will. Okay. Um, no, but about a year ago, uh, I finally decided to play Dark Souls 3. Um, and... A uh, joyous occasion for, yeah. <laughs> for Duncan and myself, who have been playing it for a long time and telling Shepard that he needed to. Right, so you two have been playing like the Souls games for you know for almost as long as the games have existed, really. Um, and I was just, I don't know, I would, I had tried before and I didn't like them, but I finally decided to uh, play Dark Souls three last year. Just like, okay, finally, like, I'll see what all the fuss is about. And I really loved it, and so I've been, you know, over the course of the following year, I've been playing through all the other games, and recently, I uh, I restarted and I beat. Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, um, I'd already beaten Dark Souls 3, uh, I played Demon Souls, you know, so I, I played them all now, except Sekiro, so I recently started playing, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and, uh, it's a really good game, it's really fun, uh, I had, I tried it in the past and I just wasn't good enough, <laughs> I, I didn't understand enough about these games to play them, but it is a really fun game, um, there is no multiplayer, unfortunately, but, uh, it's a good time. That first Makes time me. that it was uh like your first Dark Souls three experience, where it was me and Duncan and you summoning us, was some of the best fun that I've had in a long, long time. It was pretty fun. I I did the <laughs> I had to go back through that area because you guys were like leading me. Like you <laughs> you guys, ha I don't know if you were doing it on purpose or on accident, but. Um, like, there were a lot of important items for me to pick up that I, like, ran right by. She's like, oh, just follow me. Like, no, no, that shit matters. So, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, like, I had to go back later to pick up all the, like, important stuff, like Estus shards and stuff that I, I hadn't picked up on my first run through. It was funny, because the amount of time that I put into the Dark Souls 3 in particular is, is massive. Like, I have, I have 550 hours in Dark Souls 3, but... Most of it's all on the same file, because if, if you recall, I got up to, like, New Game plus 30 or whatever. Uh, and so it got to the point where I would just kind of sprint through the game, and I didn't have to pick up any of the key items, because I already had all the achievements, I already had everything, and it, it wasn't really an issue for me. So when you were trying to do all that stuff, you became a lot more familiar with the game than I was, because I hadn't actually played the game legitimately in, like, years <laughs> yeah, I've got 193 through. hours on my one file that I played. I'm gonna play it again once I'm done with Sekiro, but Sekiro. and I'll, like start a new file and go through it. Uh, but it was funny because at one point you had uh, gotten a new computer and forgot to like transfer your save, so you just started a new file. And yeah, it, it's like yeah. you were playing it for the first time. You're like, I don't, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. I know where the bosses are. <laughs> I was used to just running through and kind of smashing everything to pieces with my character that could like wield any weapon and cast any spell those are the days yeah good stuff those games are are quite good and uh i was saying earlier because uh, i i had been playing sekiro and then i i was playing some dark souls 2 before we started this and you know going back to dark souls 2 after getting used to sekiro is really difficult <laughs> um but what's nice about those games because there's got a reputation for being super hard but i think that they um most of those games, Sekiro being an exception, 
give you a ton of tools to make it easier for yourself. Um, so in in some senses, it is somewhat difficult. Like the the challenge is kind of built into it, but they give you so many tools to customize the way you play and overlevel yourself and make yourself overpowered that, you know, you can make it a pretty trivially easy game. Uh, and uh, that's something that I think you can't do in a lot of other games. Speaking of yeah, games... Yeah, I've always enjoyed the sort of make-your-own-easy-mode approach to game design, where, like, if you want to just grind and get better, uh, get, like, a better character and a better stat block, you can do it that way. Or if you're really good at the game, you can, you know, beat it with a level one character. I... Uh, it... The only games that I've run into that really went all the way with that philosophy are the From Software games, their entire, you know, catalog is like that. And then Hades, where, you know, you can, your first run through, you can get all the way to the top. But it's a lot easier if you take it slower. Right, because I compare it to something like Legend of Zelda, which I, I'm a big fan of the Legend of Zelda oh, games. actually, yeah, Breath of the Wild, same story, I guess. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild is kind of the... Breath of the Wild is really the only exception that I can think of. Most of the time when you're playing a Zelda game, you, when you're going through some dungeon, you know, there's some item that you have to get in order to progress through the dungeon, and then in order to beat the boss, you have to use that item perhaps in concert with some other ones. Like, you have to go through a certain sequence of things to beat this boss. Uh, I have to shoot this thing, and then I hookshot onto this other thing, and then I use my sword, and then I do that three times, and I win. Um... Like there isn't, there aren't other ways to beat it. There's one thing you have to do uh, for every boss, um, and I'm sure there are some exceptions to that. But by and large, that characterizes you know the preponderance of those kinds of encounters. Whereas, yeah, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, you know, Bloodborne, whatever, you can beat anything with any weapon. It's just you know some things might be better or worse, but whatever your playstyle is, you can do it uh, for everything. Um, I gotta say, I, no exceptions jump to mind. Breath of the Wild, I love for a lot of reasons, but I, it's too irritating for me to play because of one mechanic, and that's the weapon breaking mechanic. I didn't realize you'd even played that game. I, I have the exact same criticism. They, it's too fast. You can't. Yes. You get something interesting, and you just, it's it's one of those situations with like a really good healing item where you get it, and you're like, well, I can't. I got. I gotta save it for, you know. I gotta, I gotta save it for when it really matters, and you just end up never using it. Well, it's not just that. I, I guess, I don't know. There are some games where I don't mind, like, being forced to use different things constantly. But in Zelda, I just I just want to run around and swing my sword at stuff. And uh, you just can't do that. Um, and it's an interesting, like, new thing for a Zelda game, but I thought it was really irritating. You can't turn it off, and I stopped playing the game. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, because I think gamers have become famous for doing that kind of thing. It's like, you know, you pick up a rocket launcher in Halo and, and you never use it <laughs> because you're waiting for like the best opportunity because you know it's so limited and right. so you end up never using it. I and have never one grenade it. and I die with it every time because... Yeah. yeah. Um, and it would be more efficient to use it as soon as an opportunity arises because one of the other things that happens with these is if I'm holding that rocket launcher, that means I'm not picking up other weapons, because I can only hold so many weapons. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with Zelda. You can hold more stuff. But, yeah, I always felt like if I picked up a good weapon, because I knew that I was never going to find another one, or it would take me so long, 
you know, I'm always waiting for the perfect moment to use it and then never use it. Uh, like, I, I don't feel like the game, the way it was structured for me, encouraged me to use those weapons. It, it made me not want to because I didn't want to lose them. Um, a, uh, a game I've been playing with a, I guess a similar mechanic that I think works well is Doom Eternal. Uh-huh. Um, where, in general, you're, you know, you're pretty low on ammo for your miscellaneous weapons, and different weapons are better for different things, but there's always something you can do to obtain more ammo or more health. Like, there are different types of ways you need to kill enemies in order to get whatever you're short on. Right, you use the fire stuff and you get the glory kills. and Right, and so it, yeah. it forces you to adopt different strategies to acquire the resources you need, but nothing is ever unavailable to you. It's interesting. Yeah, and in, in yeah, some ways that's, that's similar a great to the way it works in Breath of the Wild, right? Because like, you kill enemies and you can get their weapons. The thing that really bothered me about Breath of the Wild is you have to pause combat to do it. They, they made the, the menus pretty quick to get through, Mm. But it was still like, okay, I gotta pause and select something else. In Doom Eternal, there's no break in the gameplay. You're just going. And it's incorporated into the combat itself, where you just you run over it, you pick it up, and now you can reload and you can keep fighting. You, yeah. don't, you don't ever have to stop. It doesn't break the flow at all. So that, even though they're similar, I do think the Doom Eternal system is a lot better. That actually, that brings up another comparison between the two games, which is Doom Eternal is well known for having like just an absurdly good soundtrack and Breath of the Wild had a really disappointing Zelda soundtrack. It had yeah, really I good totally ambient agree. music. I, I really enjoy the ambient music, but the combat music of the like was really grating and frustrating for me. Because it, it's the thing that you're hearing like more often than anything else in a lot of cases and it, that one yeah. song was just really disappointing. It's also yeah, just a I, series where the bar is set so high. Yeah, because my man Koji Kondo is laying down these like amazing tracks for every other Zelda game, like for the most part. Uh, you know, you think about like Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, and like the amazing songs in those games. Like I can sing Dragon Roost Island from memory and Midna's Lament and all these like iconic Zelda songs from the like the GameCube era, and like I I couldn't like hum a tune from breath of the wild and i played that game a lot yeah um it left like no lasting impression at all yeah, speaking of zelda soundtracks i haven't looked in a bit but like a couple of years ago i was thinking about zelda soundtracks and i thought man you know what i want is i want to get these digitally i want to have them available for just you know listening nintendo does a terrible job uh, like they could make a lot of money selling those soundtracks and you just can't, you can get them on CD sometimes, but generally speaking, it doesn't look like they just release a digital album that you can buy. And I, no. I don't know why. So they, they've always been like that. Um, I remember, I remember running into this, I don't know, 10 years ago, because I, I was bowled over by the uh, Super Mario Galaxy soundtrack. Yeah, great soundtrack. Yeah, incredible. And one of the- Garden Galaxy. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I want to say it was the same deal where, you know, there was some limited run of CDs that you could get in Japan only or, or something like that. And otherwise it was just unavailable. Um, yeah, they would make money hand over fist selling that music. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. Nintendo's weird about what they will and won't release and um, how hard they go after 
you know, people who try to like shore that up. I found that YouTube is pretty good, where pretty much yeah, any but then it's it's low quality. I, yeah, I, I mean, in my case, most of the time, it's not like I'm listening to it on some kind of incredible sound system. I'm listening to it over AirPods or something, and so it's not not a huge deal. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, I've got I have nice headphones and. I want to be able to take advantage of that. And also, I, w- I just want to have it local. You know, I don't want to need an internet connection. No, I, I totally hear that. But I I don't know. I if, if I'm going to be sitting down in a nice environment to listen to something in, in high quality, it'll be, I don't know, you know, like a prog rock album or something like that. If I'm going to be listening to Mario Kart music, it's because I'm trying to stay awake while I'm like on a road trip. Um, you know, and so I'll be listening to it in a car. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I do like listening to music without vocals when I am working because I find that it's driving, but it's not distracting. And so soundtracks are often good for that. No, I, I will say Nintendo, not the only... Com- oh, sorry, you got more thoughts. Oh, I, I was just going to say, for anyone who hasn't listened to it, like, listen to the Doom Eternal soundtrack. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a heavier Metroid. So Yo, I think Metroid there's, there's some... There was some uh, like weird controversy over that uh, over that soundtrack because I think Mick Gordon, who is the guy who did the Doom soundtrack, yeah, I I think like he had done most of it, and I think they ended up like kicking him out uh, at some point, and so, so it's it's not all Mick Gordon. I read a little bit about this, and I think the controversy was uh, over the CD release or the you know the album release. Um, well, there was, there was a lot of discussion about the dynamic range because I remember people said it got crunched down compared to the right. first Doom. So, so I, I think, I think what happened, and this is you know based on me reading the Wikipedia page a couple of days ago, was yes, Mick Gordon wrote and maybe performed, or I, you know I don't know what exactly he does with regard to the soundtrack, but it, it was you know he was the main guy behind it. And then when the soundtrack got released for purchase. Uh, the some of the tracks were high quality and then some of them were the like lower quality that you would find in game because it's being mixed with a bunch of other audio at the same time like all the in-game sound effects and it's really noticeable if you just listen to you know the tracks themselves and so people were saying like well what the fuck and i there was a lot of finger pointing like i want to say you know the studio said we gave mick gordon plenty of time to do this and he knew he was supposed to do it and he just didn't and so somebody else had to and you know they didn't do a good job or something along those lines and then both parties said they wouldn't work with each other again after that but again if you if you go on youtube there's a reasonably high quality version of all of it if you you know look up doom eternal soundtrack um and that based on that little story that's probably better than buying a cd which has very mixed quality yeah one there's an interesting little like you know youtube documentary thing about uh his process for making and mixing the music for the first game uh for doom 2016 yeah um and i encourage you to watch it if you are into video games or music or whatever but it he like worked with them to make this really cool system to like basically build a, a you know it's a track that's you know two minutes long or whatever but it's got all these different elements that when you do certain actions more elements get added or taken away or whatever where you know maybe this guitar part comes in you know when you're doing a glory kill or something and then it fades out um and so 
you know, it's this one unified song, but these elements keep coming and going to keep changing it up based on what you're doing in the game. I thought it was a really neat system. Um, and that was a really interesting way to make more music out of one song. Yeah. I, I love the soundtrack. I think it sounds really, really cool. And um, it's really interesting without being, um, I guess, overwhelming. I, I don't know. It's uh, Right. It, it complements the gameplay. It doesn't overpower it. But um, I also think it makes for really good listening out of game in a way that a lot of other soundtracks don't. Like, if you try to just listen to a movie soundtrack, um, a lot of the songs are very brief because they're matched to a scene or they, you know, swell and, and things like that and kind of odd points because it's supposed to complement something that's going on screen. And this is like a much more consistent listening experience. It's more like listening to a regular album. Um, right. And yeah, because there's, there's no, like, tonal shifts in Doom. Yeah, it's the same tone the whole game. Um, right. So, so you yeah, you can make a more consistent soundtrack for it, I think. Yeah. I think Mick Gordon also did the music for the Wolfenstein games. That wouldn't um, surprise me. Oh, I never played um, those. I, I remember you played at least... Did you play the New Order? I remember watching you do one of them. Uh, yeah, the, the New Order... Well, that was the first one. And then uh, the New Colossus was the second one okay yeah, i played I the new order play that. And, and thought it was really yeah. good yeah I, I, the new colossus was not as good i think but it, it was it was fine um but the, the music for both is really good and the the soundtrack i think especially for the new order is really good and i'm i'm pretty sure mick gordon did that because it's the same group it was uh, bethesda and machine games mm. i think that made uh the wolfenstein games and doom eternal if i'm not mistaken or id software i'm not sure i know it's bethesda and somebody but uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a different game than I normally, or a different type of game than I normally play. For the past, I mean, really, for the past ten years or so, I have had a console so I can play the current From Software game, so Dark Souls, um, <laughs> and you know, I'll I'll kind of surge on that where I I whatever that game is, I play it a lot, and then that's it. Like I really I won't play anything. And a couple of years ago, or when did COVID start? Like two years ago. Two years ago. Early 2020 is when the lockdown started. Yeah. Realistically, it started in very, very late 2019. So I shifted to PC at about that time because we all started playing um, (laughs) uh, PUBG. It was Dark Souls 3, right? Oh, right. PUBG. (laughs) PUBG. (laughs) We were, I mean, and PUBG was really, really old by then. We were playing a lot of PUBG. And then uh, some of us played Valheim for a while. Um, but yeah, in the background, we were still playing a lot of Dark Souls 3. And that was weird because I, I hadn't... You know, it had been a long time since I had a couple of games that I played. Um, or anything, you know, anything that wasn't a Souls game. And then uh, and then that kind of lulled and, and... You're forgetting about Clone Drone and the Danger Zone, too. That's right. What a great game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but they... I'm trying to remember. I mean, we downloaded some update not that long ago, and it broke it. Yeah, and it broke the multiplayer. The game went out of beta and it went live, and they they were having a lot of like multiplayer connectivity issues. I'm sure they Which, fixed it now. Yeah, we just haven't played it in like six months. They sure. probably resolved it almost immediately, but um, oh, yeah, whatever. We, we we had a lot of fun with the game in beta, though, and then we you know got interrupted a couple of times when we tried to play more recently and, and haven't picked it up again, but. Um, then Elden Ring came out. We played we played a bit of that together. I really like Elden Ring, um, but for some reason that I can't 
quite put my finger on it doesn't grab me the same way the Souls games did. We had and- a discussion about that not that long ago. I, I think that as much as a lot of people are, are like appreciative of all of the content that Elden Ring has, the inevitable consequences, none of it is quite as polished and the game doesn't feel nearly as tight or focused. Uh, the One of the best parts of Rome Software games in general is the level design. And you do get some of that still in the Legacy Dungeons, but in like the original Dark Souls, the whole game was like that. And instead yeah. of these isolated pockets the way it is right. in Elden Ring. Yeah, if you're in Stormvale Castle or Ray Lucaria or Landale Capital or any of like the yeah, the legacy dungeons, it feels like, you know, the best version of, you know, all of the stuff that From Software has been leaning to, in my opinion. Um, like I, I don't think that Bolataria is better than Landale Castle or something like that. Um, but it, it's all the stuff in between that I would say it's still polished. It's just it's not that interesting. And I find myself, especially now that I'm on like my fourth playthrough, which, you know, that's kind of a silly thing to say. Like, you know, I've only, I played it four times and I'm just not really feeling it or something. No. Uh, I just like, I don't, I don't really want to engage with all like the little side dungeons or running around in the open world. It's just, I don't have that much fun doing it. I'm only doing it so I can get the items I need for the build I want to have or whatever. Um, I... Whereas if I play Dark Souls 3 and I've, I'm on like New Game Plus 6 or something on it, I still feel like compelled to explore the entire area and pick up everything because I, I think the areas are all so good. Yeah. No, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think the other thing is um, a big draw for the other games. Well, a big draw for all the From Software games is the multiplayer experience once you've already played through a couple of times. And in Elden Ring, despite there being a lot to do... Uh, you know, from a multiplayer standpoint, it is much more fragmented. And so uh, the overworld is so big that given that you can't ride your horse when you're doing any multiplayer, that's not really where anyone gets summoned. And so, but, but any of the underworld stuff is generally small enough that if you do get summoned, you're not around for very long. And so... The stops are very brief and disjointed in a way that they weren't in previous games. And I know that there there are mods out there to you know to fix that and to make the, the multiplayer more yeah, seamless. But, you know, that's good for PC players. Well and, and I mean it's good to a point for PC players because as soon as you get into the the kind of mod space, the other people you can play with becomes very limited. Um, you know, now you can only play with people that are running the same mods as you. Um, you know, especially in cases like that where it's a it changes the way the multiplayer system works. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're doing the seamless co-op mod, then it's probably you have somebody else that you said, "Hey, let's both download this mod," and then you're mm-hmm. playing the game with that person. You don't right. have the sort of in and out dynamic type uh, multiplayer that right. the the system's really intended for. And that, I mean, that takes away some of the magic because part of the game is. If you're summoning help, you're now vulnerable to being invaded and things like that. That goes away uh, once you start walling yourself off. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I really like the game as well. Or we, we, we clearly like the game because we've, we've played quite a bit of it. But, but Dark Souls 1 and 3 in particular were so, so good and compelling. And I don't imagine I will spend as much time playing Elden Ring as I, I did on either of them. Yeah, I've got about as much time on Elden Ring as I do on Dark Souls 3. 
but that's almost exclusively because my first playthrough of Elden Ring took like 120 hours or something like that. Yeah. Now I can get through a playthrough of Elden Ring like and still doing almost everything in it in like, you know, 30 hours or something like that. Um, no. Dark Souls 3, the first time I beat it, it took me 40 hours to beat it, you know, on my first try. And now I can do it in like, you know, five or something. I don't know. Right. And uh, Jack and I would, you know, we'd get together and beat Dark Souls 3 together and in an afternoon on both our files. Yeah, that was that was fun where we would just alternate, like go to an area, I summon you, we kill the boss, then we just <laughs> you summon me, we kill the same boss. Yeah, I think and that was why did we Oh right, we were doing <laughs> our ill fated knives only playthrough. Right. Dorm the uh, Giant kinda stopped us. Yeah, I mean that is just a miserable fight. Um, if you're not going to use the, like, gimmick weapon. Yeah. Well, you just make sure that you've done, uh, Siegmeier's quest line, and then at least he's there using the Storm Ruler, and then you're fine. Hmm. We could have. Yeah, if you're, like, a bitch, but... Right. Alright, well, on that sour note, you guys want to take a quick break and then get into Witch Hut Part 2 redo? Witch Hut. Did you say Witch Hut? Yeah, also, you want to... So, we haven't actually discussed this, but you just mentioned it's redo... You want to give? Well, I'll 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 give that at the top of the session. Mm. All right. Then yeah, break time. All right. 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 